Hello, welcome back to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And me, James. And we are back again with Superman in the Superman franchise, uh, this time with Superman 2, both theatrical and Donner Cut. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, there, there are two films. So this is, this is going to be slightly odd. Um, they, yeah. they came out decades apart from one another. Um, yeah. But there, there was such a, an, an outcry, and the only sort of recent thing I can liken it to is people desperately want to see the Snyder cut of Justice League, for example. Um, mm. And Is that a thing? Is that happening? Apparently he, he's petitioning to go back and do reshoots, so he wants to get Batfleck back in the fold and all sorts. So, yeah, that is, that is a thing that's happening at the moment because people desperately wow. want that to be a thing. And it was yeah. the same thing with the Richard Donner cut. And there's quite a bit of controversy. Some people think that the Donner cut is the de facto version uh, because obviously Richard Donner directed all of the first film and then was replaced uh, later for the second film and didn't get to finish his story, mm. supposedly. But there, there, are, there are issues, issues with the Donner cut. Uh, I actually controversially think the theatrical one is a more cohesive story that's interesting because i've only seen the theatrical so this will be uh yeah i'm really interested to see what you have to say about this yeah um should we jump right in then Definitely. so let's i will let's sorry dis- go on yeah let's discuss the theatrical one because i've watched that yeah, yeah. more recently uh so we'll do that as like the the version that we're reviewing and what i'll do at the end i'll tell you some of the things that donna would have had done differently yeah, yeah, like that. Um, so Superman 2 uh, was directed by Donna or Richard Lester, depending on which version you yeah. watch. Um, it has been given 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. So actually, it's lower than Superman 1, which I was quite surprised at. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an uh, 87% audience score, which okay. again is lower yeah. lower than the, uh, the other one. about Only about 7% lower, but... Um, yeah, I think that's it's interesting. I think I'd give this. I don't know if I enjoyed it more, or I probably would say I enjoyed it equal to the first one. I was say, how controversial. Can, how can you not enjoy it just as much because the intro <clears> is basically <throat> the first film? <laughs> yeah, well, we have a really nice um, like rendition of the Jor-El speech uh, and the wonderful John Williams operatic score to open this movie. Which again, yeah. Every time I listen to that score, I get little goosebumps on the end of my uh, on my hair. It's like it literally is. It's one. It's so powerful yeah. that bit of music. Did you um, Did you notice something though in that intro? They <clears throat> never show Brandon's face. Do they not? Yeah. Just his voice. Yeah. You, you see hands putting crystals in Kal-El's spaceship. That's right. You yeah. Never see Brando's face. You only see his mum. Is there a reason behind that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's money. <laughs> it's money. Uh, they 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 have obviously the rights to use that. I'm guessing they'd have to continually pay the Brando estate to use them. So they they cut them out. Um, right. So that that's we'll get more into Brando's sort of uh, appearances in this film. Uh, as yeah. we discussed the differences between the cuts, but yeah, in that intro, they completely leave out his face. They use his hand shots, yeah, uh, yeah. But they, they don't That's show his face; they just show um, his mum. I really like um, 
I really like Zod and his minions. They look like they're they're stealing crystals at the beginning. It looks like they're making some sort of meth. Yes. Because uh, Zod looks like a meth addict. Yeah. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He's got really pasty skin, really... He's really gaunt, isn't yeah, he? Really, really scary looking. Really deep set, uh, you know, sleepless yeah. eyes. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not in a good way. Um... So we get a bit of a recap where they're banished to the Phantom Zone, which uh, loosely translated is just a giant laser that sends you into a big triangle. Yeah, I think this might be um, the first movie appearance of a big laser in the sky, isn't it? Probably is. Because yeah, they, it definitely outdates all the Marvel films. Yeah, so yeah, they uh, they the all films. Um, yeah, and then there's a bit of a recap in the titles where we get to see, um, you know, the what's transpired in the last movie, which I really liked, and I, I realized at that point that Raimi had totally ripped that off when he did Spider Man Two. Yeah. Um, and it's almost exactly the same title sequence that Spider-Man 2 does, apart from obviously the fact that it's got spiderwebs in it instead of Superman titles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I really like that. I think it works really well. Why is Margot Kidder's name so much further down the down the roster than everyone else's? Yeah. I, it, and it's not even in the... Because the, the traditional thing for uh, credits, I understand, is when mm. it's and so-and-so, they're actually yeah. higher up in terms of the, yeah. the, the the hierarchy. So when you see at the very end of some credits, you might see the main stars, but they've probably got a really super special cameo. They'll be at the yeah. end stage of the credits. But Margot Kidder's yeah. not even there. She's No, she's further. Yeah, so it's it's very, very strange. Um, I, it, it made sense, obviously, in the first film that Hackman and Brando were the top billing because they were yeah. the biggest stars in the film at the time. But yeah. by this time, Christopher Reeve is fully set up as Superman. Yeah, surely he should be top billing. Yeah, and Lois is actually a really big part of the film as well. Like the the, yeah. the, the opening scene is um, her getting into trouble in Paris. Yeah, I really like this. Um, it's really funny because there's a bit where uh, yeah, I've I put here. So yeah, Clark um, goes into Daily Planet, throws his hat onto a stand. Um, there's a lot of coat stands in this office, which I thought was really odd. Um, <laughs> most of, of them are empty. <laughs> got a lot of um, and then Perry says a line um, about terrorists being dangerous, and per- and the, to Clark says that these sound dangerous, Chief. And then Perry says that's why they call them terrorists, Kent. <laughs> which I thought <laughs> yeah. was really good. I've noticed that um, as well. And then Lois is in the middle of Paris. Um, but Perry doesn't care that Lois might get killed because if she does, it's a really good story. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I, just, I think his lines something along the lines of, "If if someone's going to blow up a bomb in Paris, I want my top <laughs> news reporter there." Yeah, like that's that's a pretty shitty thing to do, Perry. Yeah. Come on, I like that Lois can't speak French. She has a good go at it, yeah. <laughs> and then she just flashes a card at the French policeman that just has the word "press" written on it, yeah. like in Biro. <laughs> Do you love that these French police officers all drive around in cars that have the English word police written on them? Yeah, I also like that all the French policemen sound like British actors trying to do a a, a really shady French accent. So there's a bit where she's like, "Uh, policier uh, uh, français? And then he goes... Uh, a good, uh, wee, wee, wee. It's like he's not French. He's definitely not French. I think this is, this is the origin of the, uh, the, the the mocking the Italians in Superman three. Oh God! This is, this is where so it all bad. starts. And the I mean the police are bad. The terrorists yeah. are worse. 
Yeah. Do you know what though? Can I just say on that point, it's that thing. The terrorists are terrible, but it's this thing about Americans don't get anyone else who's not American. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. Like culturally, they don't understand other cultures and the stereotypes that you get again probably from the hollywood system they come out of that where it's just that complete lack of understanding of culture it's awful. and the way people are because not everyone in italy is a overweight small man with a bald head and a mustache with a cigar going hey i'm mamma mia <laughs> but that's what the hollywood system would lead you to believe that is what they're like and you think in every movie when we cut to a french person there's a mime with a beret there's a French policeman going, oh, oh, no, no, no. And then there's someone eating bread, like for yeah. a big French stick. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and then the, the, like, the punchline of this joke is that the, the uh, French police officer doesn't, under, doesn't know the word stairs in English. Yeah. But yeah. there's something going, that. ha-ha, he's so stupid, he doesn't know stairs. Like, no, he knows <sighs> stairs. He just knows it in French. And, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, you know, it's... it's it is, it is the American audience. Like I said, I think it's that's that why... It's infuriating thing. It's the same with, like, Die Hard. All of the terrorists, whether they're Iranian, whether they're German, whether they're from bloody uh, Lithuania, like, they have no idea. So they're just blonde, really butch, aggressive, and they just basically do these phony accents. And you think, oh, yeah, because that's what everyone in Europe is like. And you go to Americans, you're like, you know Europeans are just the same as you guys because that's where you all came from. <laughs> and they just speak different languages because that's where they came from. Yeah. But people don't look any different and they certainly don't go off any different, really. No. Um, apart from driving. Apart from driving. <laughs> it's crazy in Italy. But uh, no, I... I um, yeah, I thought it was all very strange. Um, and then, yeah, uh, there's, there's only one policeman guarding the Eiffel Tower, which I thought was yeah. really funny. <laughs> the that, whole tower. Just that one person. Uh, Lois gets herself <laughs> trapped under one of the elevators. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically the scene culminates by Superman stopping the terrorists from destroying the Eiffel Tower in Paris by yeah. breaking the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, that's totally what happened. Did you notice as well another British cameo yeah. in this movie? One of the terrorists is none other than Richard Griffiths. He is. I, the I, British alumni. Yeah. And you know if if you watch the film you go, Oh, do I know him from somewhere? You do. He's you know, he's been in our our uh, previous seasons of reviewing Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And he was yeah. also in Pie in the Sky. If you yeah. ever watched that. He's been in loads yeah. of T V shows. Um, um Great, great actor. Really underused in this film. Um, yeah, and sadly not with us anymore as well. Yeah, and yeah, I think uh, the, the the scenes with the uh, <laughs> the the police are trying to basically blow up the Eiffel Tower to stop the terrorists doing it. Yeah, and and then Superman comes and after the police have failed because the bomb's already been armed. Yeah, he, he lifts the lift that the. Um, bomb is on out of the Eiffel Tower and breaks the top of it and then th- yep. throws that lift into space yep. where it explodes and it releases Zod from the Phantom Zone yeah I mean because plot yeah and th- <laughs> this I, I think should I wait till the end to do like the Donna differences or should I tell you now what Donna would have done you, you can tell me as we go yeah. I think that's so probably better in, in the Donna cut do you remember the missile that's meant to hit New Jersey, but Superman stops it in the first film and throws it into space? 
Oh, yeah, is this what this is? That is how they escape the Phantom Zone in the Donner Cut. It's the, oh, it's so a, it is linked to the it's linked to the first yeah, one properly. Yeah, so ah. it's it's the it's the first uh, it, in the Donner Cut. That's how it happens, and I think um, I think I prefer that just because yeah. that's not Superman breaking the Eiffel Tower. That's Superman being a hero. So yeah. that's one element where I think the Donner Cut gets it right. It links back to the first film, and it's more heroic. It's not. Mm. Yeah. So they they basically that whole Paris scene is put in there to replace the missile from the first film. That's interesting. I did not know that. that. Paris That's scene right weird. doesn't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Because uh, um, and you can almost yeah, tell on. that because um, it cuts the, back to them being in uh, in New York. Well, in Metropolis, and uh, Lois is giving out health advice for getting vitamin C. From oranges. Which, yeah, that was odd as well. Another it keeps, thing I didn't understand. It keeps coming up throughout the whole film that she wants orange juice and it has to be fresh and pressed. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? You, it's one of those 80s um, health kicks, though, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Obviously, anyone that knows about the 80s, the 80s was very much tracksuits and, and workout videos. He had Mr. Motivator on GMTV. Like, that's what it was kind of all about. It was all about keeping in shape. It was the first boom where... I guess it's the only period in history you'll ever see a man or a woman working out and smoking at the same time because both were assumed to be really good for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I like this. Uh, I like the line that, that Clark constantly uses with Lois, which is, uh, oh, gee, Lois. Yeah. Oh, gee, Lois. <laughs> I think it's really cheesy, but it's really funny. Yeah. And again, it just makes me believe in that Christopher Reeve character uh, of Clark so much better. It, it, it's great. It really is. They, uh, we then have a scene with Lois and Clark go to Niagara Falls, which again, uh, probably because of what you just said about the Donna version, it feels very out of place Yes. in this movie. It kind of comes too quickly after the Paris thing. It feels like you are literally watching another movie. You go, how the hell are they? Why are they there? And then, um, and then it's that thing where they start to play into the romantic relationship between Clark and Lois. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Lois looks at Clark and basically knows what we've always said, which is how the hell does she not figure out that that's Superman? Yeah. She kind of does there and then, and then that's how that develops. And she throws herself off the off the falls to try and um, bait him into uh, revealing his uh, his super alter ego, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't work because he just throws <laughs> her a branch. Yeah, just make sure. And then she has to save him because <laughs> he, yeah. he goes into the water to pull her out and he falls over. Yeah, and then over. she has to get him out. Uh, that does work really well, I think. Thing, even now. Yeah, so again, I think this is where the theatrical cut is better than the Donna version. Because again, mm. this scene's pretty much completely added for no reason. Mm. Because yeah. uh, this all happens in the Donna version in Metropolis. Lois and Clark are in her apartment and she pulls a gun on him. Because she thinks. What? Yeah, she pulls a gun on him because she thinks she's figured out he's Superman. So rather than. Because uh, she. She's thrown herself out of um, a window in uh, the Daily Planet and because she thinks she's figured out he's Superman, she, yeah. she does that. So rather than throwing herself off into the river, she just jumps out of a high, you know, a, a high window. That's mental. And he then uses his super speed to run down to the bottom of the Daily Planet, uses his laser vision in front of people as Clark still, 
and right. and basically triggers one of those like sunshade awning things to fall fall out in front of the Daily Planet, which I have no idea why right. the Daily Planet has one of those. And Lois is caught in that, and then she goes, oh, okay. and then she says, "Oh, this is this yeah. is silly," but she still thinks he's Superman. So they're then in her apartment. She produces a gun from somewhere, and fi- yeah, it's a bit much. And fires a a blank at him. He doesn't know it's a blank at the time, but he Obviously. he reacts and sort of stands up straight and tries to catch it, and then he, she says, "Caught you," and and that's how she figures out he's. I think that's a little bit too psychotic. Yeah, and it, it's because the Donnacut doesn't really go into the the romantic side of their relationship, right? Okay, the the theatrical cut does in a really big um, way. Because the theatrical cut, yeah. uh, Clark reveals his identity to her pretty much of his own volition. He he, he trips over the pink bearskin rug in the, in the honeymoon suite and his hand lands in the fireplace. That's right, yeah. That's, so that's not in the Donner cut. No. That, that, right, okay. That that's is the theatrical cut's version of Lois shooting him. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. So, it is odd. That honeymoon scene is very odd. It does seem very out of place. But yeah. again, I just thought, you know, there's a lot in these movies that is added, and you think, where the hell have they come up with this from? Yeah. But that, for me, feels a lot like when you do a student film and you have a really good plan in mind, but then on the day, there's snow, rain, or something that you have to do is cancelled, yeah. and you end up shooting it in someone's bedroom. Exactly, I, and it just becomes a completely different scene <laughs> that doesn't really work. And I've had that experience many a time. I just, I love I, there, there's certain bits because playing off that romantic thing, like before before all this happens, when they're in, I'm so glad they do go to Niagara Falls, and that they're, they're, they're trying to do some sort of expose on a yeah. honeymoon racketeering group, which I yeah, think is yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. And but, uh, Clark says something along the lines of, um, "So, uh, so Lois, what what are we?" going to do about you know the um and he's really stumbling over it he says uh, the, the the sleeping arrangements and he spent this whole time talking about how it's cool that they've got complimentary um champagne and lois is like yeah it's all complimentary till they get the bill and he says so what are we going to do about the sleeping arrangements and lois is just like well you've got the complimentary couch <laughs> Which, i'm so glad that's in there because that is again that is lois lane that is that sarky She's yeah, not really falling that headstrong, yeah. headstrong woman who didn't care about. She doesn't need a man. She doesn't need a guy. No, I, I like that. So that. I really like Margot Kidder. I'm, I'm a big fan anyway. Yeah. I think she's great. And, um, and so that that for me is why I think, in a lot of ways, the theatrical re- release does it better because it's all on Clark's own terms. He's not yeah. tricked into it. It's right, him yeah. saying, "Oh well, I might as well tell you. I, I'm not sure I wanted to tell you, but I must have wanted to tell you because I did this." And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I think that is uh, that is pretty cool. I like this. So skipping on ahead a little bit, um, Zod and Co come to Earth. Um, they no, I no, they, they go don't. Te- they, they go to Planet they, Houston, Jake. They go to Texas. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> they go to Planet Houston, and they. And they- <laughs> Uh-huh. It doesn't really, they don't really, I mean, it is just funny, isn't it? Like, they bump into loads of rednecks and yeah. stuff, and then one of them shoots a snake dead. <laughs> um, and then um, Zod winds up the townsfolk by basically burning all of their stuff yeah. and blowing up their bar and doing all the things you shouldn't do in Texas. The, uh, um, the police um, the police that approach them initially are great, because one of them mm. says, uh, from the look of them, I'll bet they're from Los Angeles. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I thought they looked like sort of again what you would paint in a in a um, Hollywood drama as European sex tourists because <laughs> <laughs> they're all dressed in leather and they've got mustaches. It's so so a, <laughs> Like have you seen Big Lebowski where they're. Um, they're German nihilists, yeah, and they like want to cut off his balls, <laughs> and they're all into castration. They like we believe in nothing, Lebowski. <laughs> like I always think that they look like those kind of goon characters that you get in like Big Lebowski or in Die Hard or something like that. Again, just another way of how Americans don't do foreign very well. No. Um, and these being the most foreign people you could possibly get because they're from Krypton. Krypton. Um, Krypton, sorry, they're from Krypton, <laughs> as we established in the last episode. Uh, Zod then issues a challenge on the big telly yeah. to anyone in the Earth strong enough to challenge him. Um, and then we cut to the Fortress of Solitude, where Lois and Clark, Super Clark, I'm going to call him, yeah. um, are on a date. And Clark spends much of this scene talking in the third person, which doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Uh, and I think even Lois points out at some point that he talks in the third person a lot. Yeah. She's like, isn't isn't Clark you? You are you. Clark. And it's like, he says, oh, I, I don't think about it like that. And he's like, what? This is getting weird. <laughs> Uh, and then, really weird. And then, even though it's getting weird, Lois still says, I'm going to go and uh, slip into something more comfortable, which... Yeah, and then he gives her the sexy eyes. Yeah, he gives her the sexy eyes, and then he just goes and video chats his mum. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Just... Hi, mum. Uh, I know you're dead and stuff, yeah. but uh, Lo- Lois is just uh, in the uh, crystal bathroom over there and uh, slipping into something more comfortable. <laughs> And, and this is just so weird. And this is yet more evidence of why they, they've sort of... Or another place where they've cut Jor-El out of the story. Yeah, what's yeah. she slipping into as well? Because this is a crystal crystal castle in the middle of the Arctic. There can't be bedrooms and stuff. Is there? What is this? There is a bedroom, Jake. You get to see it later. It's just a big silver sheet. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, it's like a big silver hammock hanging up somewhere. Krypton doesn't look very com- Krypton doesn't look very comfortable. That's all I'm saying. No, there's not much colour there either. It's either white no, it's or very silver. stark, isn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, he uh, he then uh, decides to give up his powers because yeah. Because can I just stop you really quick? Yeah. Where the hell does this come from? Because I don't get this. I rewound the film because I'm like, he talks to his mum on Facetime, yeah. Crystal time. And then he just decides that he's going to go into this special chamber, which we've never seen, and he's going to give up the thing that makes him Superman so that he can go out with Lois, even though he's already going out with Lois. Yeah, I I think this is partly because he's calling his, <coughs> his long-dead mother's bluff. Because uh, his mum, in the Crystal Time call, uh, says, well, if you're going to be with a mortal, you probably should be a mortal you know you can't be the the god that you are you you need to uh, get rid of those powers son and i think she's hoping mm. that's gonna be like the ultimate cop block and right yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> okay, go, that makes more sense actually no Mom, i want to be superman I'm, I'm quite happy being superman did you see i saved the cat last week because yeah it feels... last, last episode <laughs> so i think she's uh, she's like yeah I, you, you saved the cat that's great but you know um you, you want you want to grow old together, right? Uh, he says growing old seems great, and I do love her. Uh, so yeah, I'll give up my powers. So uh, long dead mum makes a chamber appear uh, that Superman can get into, and as he's being stripped of his powers, 
his cape disappears and he's just in a white shirt with black <laughs> yeah, pants on. It's like, what? He sort of steps out of the mirage of Superman yeah. and then comes out and leaves sort of that Superman image inside the capsule, which I thought, you know, movie imagery-wise, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then and then we cut to Zod um, in the White House. Yeah. And I love this because he, he starts by saying... Are you the one they call president? <laughs> like, he has a real name, Zod. He's just the president. He's also not in charge of the Earth. However, he is in charge of Texas. Yes, or, or uh, planet Houston. <laughs> I just found it really odd. And then um, that's where it kind of gets a bit more serious. Um, and the president proper grasses Superman in here. He's like, yeah. you need to... Superman, he he will stop you. And he's like, who is the Superman you speak of? You're like, bloody hell, talk about grassing him in. Exactly. Could you imagine if this was Trump White House? Yeah. I mean, they, they do they do a <laughs> decent job of, of protecting the White House. I mean, they, they, they blow it up more than the, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the Kryptons do. The Kryptonians. Yeah, they do. They, they, they blow it up more than they do. And um, It's so funny. And, oh, just Zod's constant use of kneel before Zod. I love yeah, it. Yeah, he loves that, doesn't I he? I love that. It's, it's so cool. And, uh, you know, while this is all happening, uh, Clark needs the toilet because um, they're driving back from the fort. They've somehow got a car. Yeah, and they're driven back from the Arctic, yeah. which again I didn't get that either. <laughs> no. I was really curious. So they've, they've in in the in the time that Zod's sort of taken over America and the world, uh, Clark stopped off at a diner, gets yeah. bullied by somebody because now he doesn't have any powers. <laughs> He's back to being how he was at high school, and he says the line, "Gee, I think someone should teach you some manners," <laughs> <laughs> which I think should be the episode title. <laughs> And he then sees that Zod's at the White House, and again yeah. the president makes some bold claims about Superman's prowess. Yeah. Uh, Clark realizes he's not Superman anymore, and he's kind of done a selfish move by getting rid of his powers. So he, I th- I'm assuming, he gives Lois the car to carry on driving back to Metropolis, and, yeah, and then he, he's walking, and yeah. he can't, get, he can't even hitchhike. There's a, a truck that drives past him that just yeah, ignores he can't him. get. Is he trying to get back to the fortress at this point? Yeah. Right, okay. And then, um, yeah, it's very odd. It doesn't This bit of the film, I found, didn't gel together very well. Um, Clark tries to go back to the fortress. Uh, he's filled with regret. Um, and then probably the best scene in the whole film happens. Lex walks into the White House yes. and starts bantering with General Zod. I love that. Lex walks in and expects these aliens to instantly know who he is. He's so good, isn't it's, he? It's brilliant, and and this is the bit I wanted to say in last the last episode where I was saying how good Gene Hackman is in this role. This is the bit that, for me where he shines as that character, and I'm completely I was in love with that moment. I just thought it was the best scene in the film, probably the best scene in the franchise so far. Um, and and he says uh, Superman's just one guy, but you're three. Or four, if you count him twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, that's a great line. It's it's so good. And they he basically spills the beans on who Superman is. Because yeah. prior to all of this, there's been a subplot of Lex escaping prison that yeah. we've, we've missed out. I think it's good that we've missed it out because it, it's such a minor little plot. Point. But basically, he uses a hot air balloon to get out of prison. Yes, he does. And he leaves Otis in, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, because as Otis is trying to get on the hot air balloon, he's pulling 
it down because he weighs so much. <laughs> and um, so they they <laughs> they go to the, the Fortress of Solitude and instantly work out how to use crystals as well. Because I'm guessing crystals in this world just make sense to people, whether you're Superman or not. Crystals make yeah. sense. And they basically Lex learns everything he needs to know about who Superman is, who his parents were, and who these other characters from Krypton Krypton. Yeah, are. he goes in the hot air balloon, doesn't he? Yeah. He goes in a hot air balloon and then they get on an electric snow bike and he spends half the time yelling mush at Miss Tessmarker. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is great. <laughs> but, um, it's such a good joke. It's it's a, a brilliant scene and then all of this information is used. He then brings back to Zod at, yeah. the, at the White House to try and... Basically, he wants more land again. He wants to be the ruler of Australia. He wants Australia, yeah, because he can use loads of beachfront property again yeah. that he's always after. Um, again, it's a silly plot, but it works really well for this this movie. Uh, I think it's really funny how they fly, Zod and his minions. They fly really badly. Yeah. Like, I know that Clark looks silly, but the, I think the way they film Clark, he looks better. When you see Zod and the other two flying, they look like they're swimming. They just don't look right. Yeah, they don't look right. And I think it's because they... The wire work for one person makes sense because you can sort of pan around them and make them look majestic. When you get yeah. three people who are taking off from different points and you have to try they and hide all go that in different wire directions, work, yeah. it, it all looks a bit a bit naff. Um, and um, Clark gets his powers back at this point. Mm. And, and then there's a bit of a montage. Um, and there's some mother care product placement when the scaffolding nearly falls on a mum. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, Enjoyed that. It's just weird like the, the, this is again where the Donnacut differs slightly okay so can you remember how Clark gets his powers back in this version no so he, <laughs> doesn't he just appear in this in the original version kind of um, when he goes back to the Fortress of Solitude he basically goes mum dad I made a mistake and no one oh yeah and he screams ah in the fortress yeah, yeah he does sorry I forgot about that and bit. then he's walking down from the steps because yeah. obviously screaming doesn't do anything because it seems like the fortress of solitude is out of battery or whatever and yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden the green crystal lights up and he sees yeah. the green crystal again and he picks that up and that's how he got his powers in the first film uh, so we just see him pick right. we just see him pick up the green crystal and he seems to have all his powers back again when he flies back into the scene in Metropolis yeah. The Donnacut does something slightly different. Brando walks into the scene and touches Clark, and Clark gets his powers back from being touched by Marlon Brando. Oh, that sounds better. It does in a way, but it's just like, how are, how are Clark's powers within Brando? And, like, Brando's... Is it a hologram? Is it a ghost? I, I quite like the theatrical version because it sort of links back to the first film. But, yeah. Yeah. Brando somehow manages to be a physical presence, touch Clark, and Clark gets his powers back. Right. And then the rest of it seems to play out in a very similar way. But that's... Yeah, because Brando, let's just put it out there, Brando is not in Superman 2, right? He's not in the theatrical version at all. No. He's... he's, Apart from voice. Yeah. He's he's in, obviously, more in the Donner Cup, but yeah. Mm. Uh, And it's it's odd. It is odd. Uh, but uh, yeah, he they they have a uh, a fight in Metropolis with three uh. super beings. They're all equally matched in every single way. I got very tired of this very quickly. I must admit. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of product placement here. Uh, giant Coca-Cola advert literally gets destroyed. Um. Giant van of Marlboro again gets tipped over. Mother Care. 
Uh, I couldn't keep up with the product placement, James. There's, honestly, there's, it was like being—it was like an assault on the senses. There's so much, and uh, I think even Gene Hackman makes comment that he didn't expect this to go the distance. <laughs> so I like that even Lex is like, "Oh God, this is taking forever." Um, yeah, it's going on a bit now. Yeah, and uh, the um, basically it ends by them throwing a bus at Superman. Yeah, and then the angry mob appear, and uh, I, was gonna, I wrote a line which I had to look at again and again, which just says, Zod then blows an entire mob. <laughs> yeah, basically, the angry mob go, they killed Superman, who is a godlike figure. They killed yeah. Superman, let's get them, is yeah, the line. And they just run at him, yeah. and he just goes, and blows them all away. Uh, and this, this scene goes on forever. Yes, it does. Until Superman moves the bus out of the way, um, realises he might have a bad knee, because he's so on the bus, and he's about to jump down and get them again, but goes, oh, hang about, my knee hurts. My knee's gone, yeah. And then flies away. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and uh, they they go back, uh, they grab Lois, they threaten Lex, uh, because Lex says something to, to Zod about wanting to be the rule of Australia again and they're a bit disappointed that he's not help, helped them at all and yeah, uh, yeah they, um, they go back to the Fortress of Solitude and that's kind of where this film wraps up isn't it yeah. like it all kind of happens there yeah um, uh, there's a double double cross all the main characters are there yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's this is still kind of I think how it happens in the in the Donner Cut, there, there is some controversy, I think, in the Donner Cut that uh, whether it's there's more evidence to say that Superman does kill Zod. Uh, yeah. Obviously, in, in the theatrical one, uh, he uses the gizmo that his mum used to take away his powers on yeah. all the other people from Krypton. Uh, so all the, all the people from Krypton uh, are outside the pod this time. And yep. Superman somehow rewired the Fortress of Solitude while they were trying to get there. Yeah, because uh, the crystals are easy, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, crystals. Uh, they're, they're, they're this film's version of Superman 3's computers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they literally are. And uh, so, yeah, uh, they, they all lose their powers. Um, non basically <laughs> just kills himself, takes himself out of the equation because he tries to fly and in a really comic book moment realises he's not flying and just falls down one of the gaps in the Fortress of Solitude, presumably to his death, but we never find out. Yeah, of course. Um, Lois punches the the, the, uh, the girl. I forget what her name yep. is. What the, what's the character's name? Oh, I've got it written down is somewhere. Ursa? Ursa. Yeah, she, Ursa. Yeah, she yeah. punches Ursa. She also falls down. Um... They they have almost one of those murder she yep. wrote moments where the three characters left are just laughing about what's happened in the past, <laughs> and uh, uh, then you know Superman reminds Lex that he's still the bad guy. Um, Brilliant, yeah. And um, obviously Lois at this point still knows all of Clark's secrets, and so pres- presumably he's going to go to prison, Lex. Has he seen yeah. him go to prison? I think he they they take him back to prison. Yeah. I think. And uh, there's uh, basically a scene where I don't know it. This is different. <laughs> this, this is different again in the Donna one. And I can't work out which way I prefer it. But this right. is. I will tell you what I remember. Yeah. Right. <sighs> Clark finds Lois. Uh, she's upset, and 
she feels that she's unable to open up about her feelings towards Clark and the fact that he's Superman, trying to reconcile that. He then kisses her using a brand new power that we've never seen to wipe her brain like Professor Xavier yeah. of all the knowledge of the last few days. Uh, and I think it re- she remembers up until the diner yeah. when Zod appears and she remembers nothing else other than that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just... So if he, if he returns to the diner, which he does in, in the theatrical cut, does she not know he's Clark? Because she finds out he was Clark, he was Superman at Niagara Falls. Yeah. So I'm just confused. It's, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, this is better, again, in my opinion, than the Donner cut. Go on. In the Donner cut, he doesn't kiss her to make her forget. He flies around the world again and reverses time. Oh, he just does the same thing again. He does the same thing again. For God's sake. And I think it's the same thing again, because originally it was intended for this film. It wasn't meant to be used in the first one. But he'd use it as like a cop-out. Yeah. So I I think... It's the writing equivalent of It Was All a Dream, though, isn't it? Yeah. But weirdly, in the Donnaker, after his reverse time, he still goes back to the diner and beats that guy up. (laughs) (laughs) But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in this version of the reality the guy's never yeah, met him he humiliates that guy doesn't he in the in the thing he does that in both versions yeah he does it in both again... versions but in this version because he's the first time that guy's never beaten Clark up that guy's actually done nothing he doesn't know who Clark is <laughs> yeah so he's just basically gone to a bar and beaten an innocent person up for yeah. no reason yeah oh man yeah that's fucked up um he then sorts out the White House, puts the flag back up, a uh, classic American uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, and he tells, I will not abandon my duties again, Mr. President. And then he flies off into the sunset again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. Now I've talked about it in this episode, I feel like I don't like it as much as I thought I did. Yeah. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? It's- Does that make sense? Talking to you in this episode has actually made me like it less than when I thought I liked it yesterday. I, I've <laughs> gone through the last sort of five, six years convincing myself, yeah. I think, that the Donner Cut was the superior version. But yeah. now I've watched them both recently. Right. I actually yeah, think yeah. I prefer the story beats of the theatrical one. Mm, it's more coherent yeah. by the sounds of it. And it, I think it must be because the Donner Cut is made up of a lot of um, rough takes and things that were never completed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, you know, some of them were just auditions and things like that. So there, there's certain story points that aren't finessed in the Donner Cut in the same way that right. they are in the theatrical and they don't look as good either, you know, uh, visually. They're, they're done on, like, yeah. potato cameras. Uh, right, James. Sorry, we need to get to some facts. Okay. Because I, I'm aware of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want... Have you got any... Other than, obviously, the Donner Cut facts, have you got any interesting facts to launch off of? Or do you want me to... If you, if you go, I haven't actually got much more than the Donner differences. That's all right, that's fine. Uh, we'll probably cut this bit out. <laughs> so, interesting facts, James. Yeah. Um, Richard Donner apparently took the job of Superman whilst on the toilet. Oh. Uh, desperate to find a director, the Salkins producing the film, uh, turned to Donner, who was riding high on the success of The Omen, um, and was sitting on the toilet when he got a call from Alexander Salkind, uh offering him the chance to shoot Superman 1 and 2 back-to-back. Um, oh. And he says, uh, "If I don't have a director, and I'll pay you a million dollars." I mean, I'd well, say yes. Quite... Yeah, 
It's, I'd certainly, it would help, wouldn't it? A million dollars yeah. for doing something fun like a Superman film. Um, yeah, it's... I don't understand this fact, but it made me laugh. Marlon Brando wanted to play Jor-El like a bagel. <laughs> what? Uh, the Sulkins were a very uh, interesting major stars for key supporting roles, pursued Marlon Brando for the role of Jor-El. Um, they flew Brand- uh, to Brando's uh, Los Angeles home to meet with him. And before he met the actor, um, the producers uh, and Donna asked the actor, uh, oh, sorry, asked the Hollywood agent uh, of the actor for any negotiating hints, at which point he leaned, uh, he learned that Brando was going to attempt to do as little work as possible. <laughs> and he said, he's going to want to play it like a green suitcase. <laughs> what does that mean? It means he hates to work and he loves money. So if he can talk you into the fact that playing people on Krypton looked like green suitcases and you only have photographs of green suitcases, he'll get paid just to do the voiceover. That's the kind of work that he likes to do. Brilliant. You've got to have respect for Brando in some ways. He was absolutely mental, but in a really good way. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I've got a, a little a little fact uh, that I found here. During one take of the shot where Lois punches Ursa, Margot Kidder yeah. accidentally punched Sarah Douglas and knocked her unconscious. Brilliant. <laughs> I think I've heard of this before. I heard that fact before somewhere. And uh, according to Sarah Douglas, in Japan, her scene of Ursa killing the astronaut by kicking him in, in the groin was cut <laughs> due to the sensitivity of a woman being so dominant. Apparently That's the so Japanese funny. couldn't take that. Yeah, apparently uh, Margot Kidder's clumsiness is the thing that attracted them to her. So they thought it was really endearing and funny. <laughs> uh, and that, that clumsiness is something that's consistent with the character throughout all these films. It's really, really weird, but it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's it's the fighting over the budget, which we talked about already, I think, that it really did do Donna. Donna was a visionary. Um, and the producers didn't like the direction it was going in. And I think that ultimately ended up being the fight over Superman 2 became, it was monetary, obviously, as it always is. Um, Donna claims that he never actually had a schedule or a budget given to him. Um, And the Sulkins claimed that he was constantly uh, over schedule and over budget, which is why they let him go. So it's all very convoluted on why, why they fell apart. Um, but yeah, the facts, uh, I did read the facts just now, actually, about the ending of Superman 2 was stolen for the ending of Superman 1. Yeah. Um, God, it's such a mess, really. It, Superman 2, it's such a surprise it came out. And to its credit, and I know we've, we've talked about a lot of films like this uh, in our personal life and not so much on the podcast, but things like Justice League. Yeah. We knew that Justice League was having issues. We knew that film was supposed to be two and a half hours long. I think it now comes in at about one hour 45. It's not very long at all. You can tell that there's been that pressure to get a product out and they will do whatever they can to the detriment of the content, the actors, the producers, the directors, the story itself to get a book out of that film, to rinse it. Um, and it's such a shame that studios like, and this is Warner Brothers again. They seem to have a history for it. They really do. It's that thing about we will get this film out. We will make that money no matter what. Yeah. Um, and you know things like this recent coronavirus outbreak. Films have uh, they've stopped. They've, films aren't coming out. Yeah. All the films have gone. We're not coming out. We're going to delay. 
Um, it even feels brave when a film goes, we're not happy with this, we weren't happy with the ending, test screenings weren't very good, we're going to hold off on this film. We might, you know, I think that recent X-Men, um, is it New Mutants, yeah. did a similar thing where they were like, we've got a few ideas, we've got different directions, we've got different directors now, we're just going to go to the beginning and start again with it because we don't think it's going to work. Um, but then they do Suicide Squad, where you can tell David Ayer had a really good idea for a film. Yeah, and it's it got edited came to, to the crunch. Yeah, and it, the, in the in the cutting room, it just became a mess, and they just thought, yeah. "Well, we've got to get something out." Yeah, at least this and film still shame. feels like a film, doesn't it? It still feels it does, like a cohesive to its credit. Story. Yeah, I mean, to the point it really where really holds. I, I I've just been reading a couple of quick trivia things whilst we've been discussing them, and yeah. I hadn't even noticed this. This is how good the storytelling is in some ways. Yeah. If Tessmacher disappears from the storyline completely after they leave the Fortress of Solitude, and she's never brought up again, and I had who Eve, does Eve Tessmacher, Miss Tessmacher. Oh yeah, and, oh, yeah, yeah. She does. She goes with him after the balloon thing, yeah, doesn't she? And she just disappears after that because they they take the snowmobile thing back to <laughs> basically they do the thing that Lois and Clark do in a car, but they do it in a snowmobile, yeah. and then it's just Lex on his own. And apparently this is due to those scenes with Eve in being filmed by Richard Donner and they were yeah. then cut once he was fired. So, so apparently strange. Eve Tessmacher should have been in the rest of the film but wasn't. And you're just like, oh. I didn't even notice that. Because yeah, the story... Kind of shitty, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The story was so good, though, in, in that sense, in comparison to, you know, a mess. It wasn't a mess. It, it, I, I didn't feel jarred that she wasn't in there. No. But it's interesting that that's that's a bit of obviously studio management where they've gone. Oh, he yeah. he shot these. We'll get rid of them. Yeah. Ultimately, they are they're better than Superman three and four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will be doing. I mean, I will talk about this really briefly. But um, Donna's previously shot footage for the film. Uh, was restored and re-edited into the Donner Cut, as we talked about in the podcast. Uh, previously unused footage of Marlon Brando as Jor-El was then later incorporated into Brian Singer's sequel, yeah. Superman Returns, which we are going to be doing next week. Uh, Superman Returns is a direct sequel to Superman 2, uh, which I, I didn't know about this until we started on this franchise, I don't think, but this is a film that, like the new Terminator, directly slots itself in between... Um, so you know, Superman two against and Superman three, yeah. and it kind of forgets about Superman three and four ever happening. I think, like and most it just people goes wish right. they could. Exactly, it just picks straight up from what happens in the Superman two, um, and I think it picks up with Superman going off to Krypton to try and find Krypton, yeah, uh, and then being away for many years, which is how they justify the the gap in time, which I thought was really cool. It's, it's really so cool, I'm, but look, also really weird when he's, he's Superman's final words in the theatrical cut of Superman two is, "I promise I won't be away for so long." I <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah, I I remember watching this film in in cinemas when it first came out so I'm looking forward to revisiting this one because um, it was one of the first I think it was the film I saw at the cinema and it was the one that made me go back and watch the original Superman so before this one had come out as a kid I didn't really have much interest in them I'd been aware of them but I never really sat and watched them so uh, this will be interesting for me to go back and see if it holds up. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've got anything else. Have you got any uh, shit merch? I did mine last week. Yeah, so I I haven't got any shit merch. I have one one final sort of interesting fact though that we can we can end on. Um, go on. Gene Hackman, uh, Ned yeah. Beatty, the guy that plays Otis, and uh, yeah. Valerie, who plays Eve uh, Tessmacher, 
yeah. and E.G. Marshall, who plays the president, were the only actors to not participate in the film's reshoots under the direction of Richard Lester. So all oh, their what, scenes, like a protest. yeah, all their scenes were were the Donna uh, filmed shots. Okay, so, that's a good fact. Yeah. So I think it's it's I, in some ways it, it goes back to that thing, like you say, of like artist integrity. Like they, yeah. a lot of the actors supported the the Donna vision yeah. and really fought hard against the the new style. And I think that shows that they're you know they probably broke contract, I guess, because yeah, I, mean, I imagine they were contracted to do the film regardless of who's directing it. Uh, but they broke contract yeah. in order to support Richard Donner, which I think is quite cool in a way. It's, it is cool. But now we've learned that it probably wasn't worth it. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone's still excited about the Snyder Cut of Justice League, <laughs> yeah. learn your lessons from history, kids. It's not yeah, always it probably what you won't be any better. No. Can they make Steppenwolf a better villain? <laughs> <laughs> was he actually a villain? Uh, all I remember oh, is that God. he was really worried about his mum. Yeah, I honestly can't remember that film enough. And that's a testament to probably how poor it was. But we'll talk about that another time, yeah. I'm sure. Um, right, James, I am going to get off. Yeah. And what we might be doing is before we do Superman Returns, we may be doing our um, quarantine sort of special based on uh, horror films. That we, well, you know, like zombie films, because I know a lot of people are saying, what kind of um, post-apocalyptic films can we watch in, this, in these times? And we want to try and make light of a really difficult and dark situation that we're all in um we are by no means um you know taking the piss no. but we do want to try and bring a little bit of uh, a bit of a laugh i, I need to uh, i needed an excuse sort of to make jake watch the happening it's true and i really <laughs> wanted an excuse to go back and watch sean the dead because i've had so many sean the dead sean the dead memes texted to me this last oh, week definitely uh, all right james well see you next time see you next time jake Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.